Amen. Thank you so much. It's so great to have Jim and Vicki here to lead us in worship of our Father today. Thank you so much for doing that. All right, all right. Uh, all right, so really, and in and, and, and thinking about and preparing for uh, this, uh, this birthday, we've been approaching it. Uh, what God has had us on a journey of really a lot of soul searching, especially as far as sta staff and elders. And, um, you know, God is faithful, and he completes what he starts. He, he finishes what he starts. And, uh, and so it's really been a sobering yet exciting, uh, really, journey uh, in preparing even for this day. But the verse that really has just, uh, God just continued to bring to my mind is out of the book of Isaiah, uh, and, and I think he just wants us to see this and be reminded of this today. Do we have that on the screen? Isaiah chapter, yep, and this is Isaiah 43, 18. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness. So there, there's a verse that I want you to just go ahead and write down on that uh, what Evan says, wait a minute, is this a new format that we have? <laughs> yes, it's a new format. Okay, so use that blank sheet in your program and write this verse down, Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. Now, I have, I have read that, I have preached on that, uh, but never before have I really seen exactly that, uh, where God was uh, doing this in such a profound way. To where he's saying now, okay, guys, I want you to forget the former things. You know, the, the, the previous 32 years have been quite a journey. And uh, we've, had our, we've had our glory days, and we've had our uh, lean days, and we've had our fun days and difficult days. But I do see uh, with absolute clarity that God is doing a new thing, and he wants us to recognize it. And this new thing, you know, sometimes it takes some of us uh, a little bit longer than others to be able to get on board with where God is, is leading us. And yet, I, I believe he is doing that in a, in a very profound way. I, I like the way the NLT puts that. It says, see, I have already begun. So God's already started this. And so it's an opportunity for us to catch up with what he is really inviting us to do. Um, and so really, I guess the premise as, as we come together today is I want to sh say that praise God for the last 32 years. Uh, and we can give thanks in all things. You know, no matter, it doesn't have to be all good things. There's some good things, sad things, bad things. But we can give thanks because in all things, God works together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And that's his promise for me and you, uh, that he, he will work everything that we've experienced for uh, our good and for his glory. Uh, but I guess, I guess the premise of what I want to lay out is that what God is making this new thing that he is uh, showing us and helping us to understand is that the next 32 years will not be anything like the past 32 years. And so if we want more of the same, you're probably going to be disappointed. Uh, do we know all that that means? Absolutely not. I mean, that's the reason God calls us to be absolutely dependent on the Holy Spirit, to, to be filled with the Spirit, uh, to be guided by His Spirit and by His Word. Um, but um, the, the reality is, is that, that our world is, is changing. We've been talking about that we see it. You know, we give uh, um, some lip service to that. 
Uh, but here, here's the deal that what God's helping us to understand that He's called us to be uh, to join Him in His mission. Uh, God doesn't give the church a mission. God gives the mission a church. And I want to raise my hand and say, "Okay, God, You're on mission, and and we we want to we want to be a part of." that mission, what it is that you're doing in the world today. And, uh, the, the, and, and here's some of the nuances of it. When we started 32 years ago, people were basically, pr they were prone to go to church. We lived in a Christendom, a time of Christendom, which we lived in the last 17 uh, centuries, where there was just an, an acknowledgement. Like, for instance, uh, earlier on, you know, if you didn't go to church on Sunday, your boss probably asked you about it on Monday. Like, where were you, you know? So, so we lived in a day and time when, you know, people were kind of prone to go to church. And so, uh, therefore, a lot of what we would do is we, we would uh, orchestrate things and organize things and program things for people that were prone to go to church. And, and it's easy to, to continue into that pathway. And yet, the reality is, is that the world in which we live now is vastly different than what it was 32 years ago. Uh, even even 10 years ago, it continues to change. And some of us can moan and bemoan that fact, but the reality is, is that God is still in charge. He's large and in charge, and he is King of kings and Lord of lords. And we were just singing to the King of kings. And uh, he, inv he invites us just to, to experience it. One of the, there's, there's been several, there's been a process that, that we want to invite, I, along with the elders and the staff, want to invite you into as, as we uh, as we perceive this new thing that God is doing, uh, as he is always about his work. And, and there's been several books that he's utilized to help place an exclamation point on this. And I, I've shared with you s several times, the one of those is a book called How to Bless God by Blessing Others. And it was a book by Ryan Dennison, a little short little thing, that uh, about 50-something pages. And all he says is, hey, there's a lot that we can learn as Christians today from the early church. From the early church, go back and see this, this church that was living not just in some resistance or apathy, you know, apathetic attitude towards it, but absolute persecution. The church, the people, the Christians, the followers of Christ were actually being persecuted and being blamed for all the bad stuff that was going on uh, in their culture. And, and, and he says what God did is he would bring into relationship people with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and those people would go out and they would simply be a blessing to the people that they lived around. They weren't on a campaign to change their culture. They were on a campaign to be salt and light and, and, and to join with God. And then as a result of that, as a result of that, without, and, and under the great leadership of, uh, of great apostles like Paul, we saw that the world turned upside down. God's work done God's way never lacks God's resources and supplies. Uh, another book uh, that uh, I've just, I'm not finished reading it, with, uh, but it's called Canoe in the Mountains. Somebody mentioned it, I think, a year or so ago, and I, 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 I was just, just got around to it. Do any of you have round to it in your pocket? You know, <laughs> just go and get you one because we all are guilty having those round to it, you know, get round to it. But uh, it, it's uh, called Canoe in the Mountains. Uh, and uh, here, here's the leaf, here's just the top paragraph on leaf. The culture is changing, the world is changing rapidly. 
And churches are facing change on an unprecedented scale. Churches and church leaders are becoming increasingly irrelevant, even marginalized. Shared corporate faith is viewed with cynicism at best, downright hostility at worst. The cultural advantage we experienced during 17 centuries of Christendom has almost completely dissipated. Seminary training for the Christendom world is inadequate to this immensely challenging, transformed, demanding moment in history. So um, he, the, the premise of him writing this book was he, he uh, as, a, as a professor and a theologian and all this kind of stuff, he kept having all these pastors going, what do we do? I mean, you know, uh, the, uh, there was just stalemates. Churches, you know, were dying. And, and, and these were vibrant, lots of money and all this kind of stuff. But they were going, the challenges that we're facing today, they're going, seminary didn't train me for this. You know, I'm just not trained for this. And, and, and their exploration began as far as like, what is it, this new thing that God is doing, and how is it that he would have us join with him in that? That's the reality of the world that we live in. We, we all experience that. We have different angles and, you know, different slants as far as, you know, what's going on. But the fact is, is that God has called followers of his, especially as we've been looking at it over the last couple of months, you know, it's been very, I share with you, it's been very commit, uh, convicting to me as we were looking. Really, what does it really look like to be a follower of Jesus Christ? And every one of those things that we listed, those six points, by matter of fact, there, there are some of those leaflets on the path. back. I've got mine, and I'm using it as a checklist uh, uh, all through the week. I got it in my Bible. What, what, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? And there's some questions there. Because it's easy for us to kind of hide our plane over it and get into the church lingo and all that kind of stuff. But it was very convicting to me. And it's saying, listen, listen, follower of Jesus Christ. You cannot give first-class allegiance to all these secondary causes. Uh, you cannot, you not, you cannot. And, and another convicting thing to me was like, you know, we were looking and we were talking to staff as far as some stuff that needs going on. We were looking at our calendars and, and I've got my calendar all highlighted. It's, got, it's gotten so complex right now. It's just, I got color codes. I got, you know, the, the, the fleecia stuff is, you know, obviously pink because I love it. You know, and then the, uh, this, the family stuff is this and the church stuff is this and, and the, all this Auburn stuff. Forget that. I'm, I'm marking that. I'm just crossing all that out of there. We're not doing that no more. Um, but it's just like, oh, my gosh, when can we do? When, can, when? And, and God's going, really? You're going to bring for me your calendar and ask for me to kind of slip in at your open He's like, nope. And God's saying, here's, here's the deal. You come before me with a blank calendar. Let me fill in. Then you fill in. You fill in the spaces. You come for, you, you, you write to me a blank check and let me fill it out. And then you go from there. So it's like, okay, 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 God, you know, what, what are you up to? And what is it that you want us to know here as we celebrate 32 years? Uh, of life and ministry. Grab your Bibles and uh, turn with me to Haggai. You go, what Haggai? Uh, it's right almost at the very end of the Old Testament. If, you, if you're in uh, Zechariah, you're too far. But we're going to be in uh, Haggai, right, be right before the New Testament. Haggai chapter 1. And I think that this particular passage, as a matter of fact, uh, for those of us that went to the uh, 
Spark Conference, uh, Jimmy Scroggins, uh, he utilized this, this particular passage. I thought it was so absolutely profound uh, that it's, it's, a, it's a word for us today. Haggai chapter 1, uh, beginning with verse 1. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came, um, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son uh, of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has yet not uh, has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. The Lord says to his prophet, these people say the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panel houses while this house remains in ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but you have not harvested you eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much. But you see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty. Because a house which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with his own house. This is God's word for us today. Let's go to him in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for your long suffering. Thank you that you invite us into your glorious, amazing future. Thank you uh, that Jesus, that you have called us friend. Lord, may our response to you today, uh, on this day that we celebrate uh, your provision, your blessings uh, on us, Lord, may your glory be magnified. Jesus, may your name be lifted up. And may you do in us what you have done so many times before in people. When you stir up the hearts and the spirit and the souls for that which brings you glory and is for our good. Thank you for your word. Your word that is living and active. And we make it our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so it's here in, in, this, in this book. It gives us a, a pretty good object lesson of what's going on, but a little bit of background here. 586 uh, B.C., the armies of Nebuchadnezzar captured Jerusalem. Uh, that marked the end of the uh, kingdom of Judah. Most of, uh, of the Jerusalem's inhabitants were deported to Babylon uh, for a period of how many years? Seventy years. Okay. And when Babylon, uh, the empire, fell to the Persian Empire, Cyrus the Great decreed that the Jews could go back to Jerusalem to rebuild their temple. Now, there's a lot more background to this. I mean, this was a, a, a great leader there, uh, and yet he, he saw the advantage of them being able to go back. 
So a, a small a minority of, of Jews went back, about 50,000, and they returned under the leadership of Zerubbabel the governor and Joshua the high priest, and two of the people that came back were these, these, these minor prophets, Haggai and Zechariah. And it was two years, I mean, they came back and they got, they got after it. You know, you go back and, and you start rebuilding the temple. You know, this is what I've called you to do. I brought you here to do that. Just like God brought us, you know, into existence 32 years ago saying, hey, I want you to do this in this community of, of Roswell, Georgia and the, and the surrounding areas. And so for two years after arriving, they completed the foundation. They completed the foundation of the temple, the temple that had been destroyed. This glorious temple, you know, that Solomon, you know, had God had used him to construct where the glory of God, you know, would reside. And so there was great rejoicing after the foundation you know, was, uh, was completed, but, but the success of them doing this aroused the Samaritans and all the other neighbors who feared that the political and religious implications of a rebuilt temple uh, would do them a disservice. And so they opposed this project vigorously, and they managed to... To stop it. I mean, they, did, they pulled out every stunt they could to be able to stop what God had called the people there to do. And they resisted it. And, and, and as a result, there was, there was this uh, external oppression and this eternal, uh, internal depression that halted the rebuilding of the temple for 18 more years. And, and this spiritual lethargy, and, and they were lethargic and apathetic and like, uh, you know, because they weren't doing what God called them to do. And he says, what, so as a result, what did they do? They just went to what was, you know, right in front of them. And they just said, you know, you're, this is what you're doing. You know, you, you, you eat and, and you plant and you drink and, 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 and you, you know, put on these clothes and, and you're, and you're t paying attention to the, all this stuff, you know, that needs to be done. But, but at the expense of, what I've called you to do. So it was in the second year of Darius' reign that God raised up Haggai, the prophet, to encourage them and, and to share with them the word of the Lord. And, and, and not only Haggai, but Haggai only preached four sermons, and then we don't see him anymore. Um, uh, Zechariah steps in, and God uses him to, to continue this process. And, and he, what he was saying is, listen, there is a, there is a pathway to spiritual renewal and, and passion for the glory of God. You've settled for just, you know, getting relocated and kind of getting back and get out of that oppression. But you're, you're not giving first class allegiance to, to God's glory and what it is that God's calling you to do. God's plan for Israel. I think that there are some similarities here that... that that really is God's message for us, for Crosspoint, you know, on our 32nd birthday, especially at this moment. And here are three things. Number one, as, as we look at what's going on uh, in, in the world today, it's, a, it's our time. God is moving. It's, it's our time. This is what he says in verse 7. He says, give careful thought to your ways. Go up to the hill country, bring lumber and rebuild my house that I may be pleased with it and glorify, says the Lord. He said, it's time. Now, so God comes, 
He's right now in the midst of this. Uh, they started it, and then, they, and then all of a sudden they were just really discouraged and disappointed because uh, everything that was happening, you know, the, the, some of their neighbors, you know, weren't jumping in there and encouraged. You know, it just w it wasn't happening like they thought it was going to happen. And, and, and they just got busy doing stuff. And God says, no, now's the time. I'm going to invade at this particular moment. I'm going to say, now's the time. Go up into the hill country and get some timber and come back and rebuild my temple. And he's saying, what I want you to do, and, and, and he says it three different times. He says, give, give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. And this is what God's been doing. He's, he's led us into uh, this, this journey. It's like, hey, give careful thought. Give careful thought to your attitudes, your actions, your behaviors, your priorities, uh, what you're investing, what you're spending your time and your life. Give careful thought to your behaviors, your words, everything. You give careful thought. And, 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 and in this process, the wonderful thing is that God says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But, but he does say, hey, this right here is not first-class allegiance. This is not loving Jesus supremely. This is not obeying me, everything I say do. So, I mean, he comes in and he points out, and you just agree, and you say, yes, Lord, yes. I've got caught up. I've got caught, caught up in, in, in what's so important in the culture out there that I've gotten distracted from doing that which you've called me to do and being that which you've called me to be. Philippians 1.6 says, you know, and reminds us that, you know, and the Apostle Paul where he says, I am so thankful for your partnership. I am thankful for the partnership that we have in, in, in our um, journey with Jesus Christ, being partners in the gospel. And he says to them, be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. That's a good word for each of us. What God has begun in you, he will carry it on to completion. Now, sometimes it's painful, uh, as it was for them. They had to face up to the fact that, you know, that they've, they've gotten sidetracked from what it is that God's doing. So here's the deal. God, if there's anything that I've done, if I'm getting sidetracked from having you as preeminent in my life, I, I agree with you, and, and I love you supremely. I, I will do what you say do. I will obey what you say to me. This is our time. This is the time for, for the church of Jesus Christ to, to, to say, okay, we are called to be on mission with God. God is on mission, and, and we got to say, yeah, okay, we'll be the church that's on mission with you. There, there is as, as much resistance or much uh, the yak-yak and noise that's out there in our culture today. Uh, the reality is there's a tremendous spiritual hunger for, to know what life truly is all about. And yet God is wanting to do a transforming work in each of us as his servants in order that we can be usable as we go out there and interface with with what seems to be folks that are totally uninterested in the church. Matter of fact, folks that just thinks that maybe some of these beliefs are uh, somewhat 
old and dated and, and even disrupted, perhaps even dangerous. Lesson from the early church was, you know, they didn't go out there and try to change the culture. They changed. They were living obediently to the Lord, and they were being a blessing and, and extending the love of Jesus Christ. They were doing what is so difficult for us to do. It says they were loving not just their friends. They were loving their enemies into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. I, I believe, and, and uh, Evan, that wasn't scripted, you know, but I, I believe that that even what God was just impressing upon Evan is, is true, that there's been this preparation, as slow as it may be, in order for God to do the greatest days are ahead. This is our time. Number two, it's an encouragement for leave the past in the past. Leave the past in the past. There's, there's been, um, we, we're seeing here, it says that uh, uh, studies are showing and this is kind of sad, uh, you know, the fastest growing religious affiliation among young people, young adults, is none. Uh, upwards of 1,500 pastors leave the ministry every month. I mean, these are difficult days. These are tough days. But, but it's saying that, that what is going on is that, that there's, th throughout the years, what, what God was doing here. When, when churches primarily functioned, uh, you know, as gatherers of those already prone to kind of come, now it's completely changed to being on mission. Like it, not just here. This is a family gathering. This, this is, this is, uh, you've got to clean the picture up just a little bit, okay? You've got to, the church, you've got to clean this picture up a little bit. But this is like a decent, family dinner okay uh and and you know when we gather here we're, we're coming together as family but oftentimes as it often happened in our household you know our kids would bring other kids you know and they say you are welcome you are welcome you know at our table you we we, we are so glad you're here uh but one of the things that we normally do around our family table, it's before we eat, we say a blessing. But they may not, they may not, you know, have that experience, but we, we just, we live our lives. And we talk about the day, and we talk about the things, you know, of, of the Lord. And, and, and we do that here, and we just, we come together as family. And we're inviting our, you know, friends to that particular experience. But that's what happens here. But, but we make those friends, and we make those connections because we're intentional out there that is one of the words that just keeps ringing true for us it just keeps coming back like a neon sign intentionality be intentional in everything you do everywhere you go for the sake of the lord jesus christ but leave the past in the past look what he says here in, in chapter in, in chapter two now all this stuff is going on and and um, and, <clears throat> and and they're starting back they you know god moves in verse and uh, let me back up in verse 12. It says that uh, Zerubbabel and, and, and them, they heard the voice of the Lord, you know, and, and the people were starting to kind of, God's getting their attention. All right, and so now they, they go up in the mountains and, and they get this wood and this timber and they, they're starting, they're, they're starting to, to rebuild this. And look what he says here in uh, verse 3. He says, who of you, 
is left who saw this house in its former glory. How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? What's he saying here? So here's the deal. There's a lot of folks. There's a lot of folks that says, listen, we saw the original temple. We saw the glory of that original temple. And now you're coming down with this timber, this wood from off the mountains, and you're trying to reconstruct this temple. This is not the temple. Here's the way it should be. And this is just, this is nothing compared to what it was. And it's easy for us to, to go back to the past and say, this is, the, this is, this is when church is church. This is, this is what it should be all about. And, and, and he's going, there's a lot of people there that, 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 that had lived and seen that temple. And, 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 and Zechariah says, those people were even crying and wailing. And going, this is awful. This is awful. This is nothing like what, what God wants. This is not deserving of God. This is awful. This isn't the way it should be. Who is left among you who saw this house, this temple, in its former glory? And how do you see it now? Does it seem like nothing in comparison? But be courageous. It may be easy. It may be easy to minimize what God is doing. Because you're not seeing some of the stuff that formerly was there. Or, you know, it didn't meet certain expectations. But he's saying, you be courageous and you do what it is that I've called you to do. Because the time is now. The time is now. And the way that you do that is by making those adjustments. By making those adjustments to give careful thought to my life and what it is that God is revealing to me. And so many of those adjustments are, you know, getting rid of stinking thinking, of preconceived ideas and the way that we view the world and the way that we view people and the way that we view ministry. What does it look like? Not absolutely certain. God knows. God knows. But the truth is, is that God has called us, he's on mission, he wants churches to, to join him on this mission, to be able to be salt and light in a world to where there is so much uh, opposition, there's so much, there's indifference, but people that need Jesus. To make adjustments, to make adjustments from, from trying to facilitate those that are prone to go to church. You know, we heard secret churches, and, and we did a lot of stuff, you know, to, to, to accommodate, accommodate, you know, people that were prone to go to church. But he said, no, I won't, what I'm about is life change, life transformation, and I want to use you and you and you to rebuild my temple. And all you folks out there just going to say, listen. And, and, and one of the things that uh, Jimmy Scroggins pointed out is that, you know, there's a lot of churches that didn't make it through COVID. And, and you know, it's been tough. You know, it's been tough on, on us, so up and down and up and down. And, 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 and we're prone to say, you know, well, before COVID, I have people ask me all the time, you know, how did y'all, how did y'all weather COVID? <laughs> how do you answer that? Do we have the numbers that we had? Do we have this? Do we have this? Do we have the pro? Uh, he's saying... Leave the past in the past. Don't be crying over those spilt milk. Like, this is the way it was. No, why? Because the time is now. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Do you see it? I'm making, I'm making a river in the, in the desert. And he's calling us to join him in that. Number three. 
God's message. Accept that this is our time. Number two, leave the past in the past. Number three, embrace the future that God has for us. I love chapter 2, verses 9 through 6. Chapter 2, 9 through 6. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Look at this. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord. That's pretty awesome. We say, okay, this is when it's, this, this looks glorious. And God's going, no, 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 no. It's not about, it's not about, it's not about stuff. It's not about programs. It's not about this. It's about, it's about the movement of God and the glory of God in our lives. One of, one of the things I love so much about, I mean, I'm, I enjoy about this book. It's, it's just a great analogy. Get it and read it because, um, I, 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 matter of fact, we, we guys may do it. We may talk about this Saturday. We, uh, but he uses Lewis and Clark and the fact that they were commissioned, you know, to be able to figure out, the, you know, after the Louisiana Purchase, they said, okay, uh, was it Thomas Jefferson that uh, commissioned them to go and, and find the way, find this river, find this waterway that's going to take us, you know, over, all, over to the Pacific Ocean. And so here are these, 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 these river guys, you know, they, they find their way. They did what no other explorers were able to do. And th there was this anticipation that there was this waterway that was going to take commerce to the Pacific Ocean. But whenever they got up to the peak, what they found was that what was behind them in no way looked like what was ahead of them. When they got up there, all they saw was those snow-covered peaks of the Rocky Mountains. I, I, love, I love what he says here. I'm going to read this for you because I'll mess it up. <clears throat> He's talking about, uh, Lewis, he said, as he stepped off the map, uh, map into uncharted territory, Meriwether Lewis discovered that what was in front of him was nothing like what was behind and that what had brought him to this point in the journey would take him no farther. Lewis faced a daunting decision. What would he do? Lewis and Clark and their corpse of discovery were looking for a water route, but now they had run out of water. How do you canoe over mountains? You don't. If you want to continue forward, you change, you adapt. Meriwether Lewis looked at the miles and miles of snow-covered peaks uh, to know uh, that to continue his journey, he would have to change his entire approach. The same is true for all of us who are called to live and lead beyond the boundaries of what is known. We go through a personal transformation of identity and mission and tension. We go from being river rats to mountain climbers. We keep on course with the same goal, but change absolutely everything required to make it throughout this uncharted territory. We dig, uh, we ditch the canoes, ask for help, find horses, and cross mountains. This uncharted territory of a post-Christendom world 
is where we live. But it's good news, he says. This is a divine moment. This is an opportunity to express even more clearly what it means to follow and serve the God who is king of the entire world. The church, has, at its best, has always been a course of discovery. It has always been a small band of people willing, uh, willingly heading into uncharted territory with a mission worth our utmost dedication. You go, man, that's a lot. It is. But I totally believe that we are very much in the same place where he said, okay, there's a lot of canoes that we got to ditch. And it may be, it may be some stinking thinking. It may be your value system. It may be your view. Uh, it, it may, be, I don't know what it is. He will show you because he says, give careful thought. Give careful thought. Stuff the ditch in order that we can go into this future that God has called us into. His message for us, this is our time. We need to leave the past in the past and embrace the future that God has for us, for his glory and for our good. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come before you today and we ask that you would do in us exactly what you did here within the hearts and the lives of these people. For it says that you stirred up their spirit. You gave them heart to do that for which you've called them. Lord, I pray right now that the same would be true for us. For so that we can, so that we can join you in the mission that we face in this world. Lord, that you would begin this transforming work in our lives to show us how to be faithful in the mission that you've put before us in a world that has changed so radically. But more so, Lord, you would show us the transformation that is demanding in our lives to be able to join you in this discovery. We praise your holy name for your goodness to us. We thank you and we praise you for your blessings to us. And right now, Lord, we entrust ourselves to you for your good and your glory. With your heads bowed, I'd like to just to, to close with this. I would just like to invite you as, as we anticipate some good time of fellowship together and, and this good food. But first, I just want you to ask God to show you, to show you what it is that he wants you to know about him, about his church, and about his mission in the world. And I want you to ask God, Lord, I, I, want you, I want you to give me the courage and the fortitude to, to sign up, to, to join the adventure, to embrace the future that you have for us, knowing that it, it's a lot of unknowns, knowing it's maybe difficult, but God, 
With you, we can do all things, and apart from you, we can do nothing. Lead us in, into a time of discovery and a time that brings you glory, a time that brings transformation into our hearts and lives. So that, Lord, that instead of uh, apathy, instead of discouragement, instead of frustration, Lord, that we see clearly you and we keep you in our sights first and foremost. Lord, I pray you raise up just a band of adventurers here that would join with you in the future that you have for us. We ask your favor, your blessings, your transformation for the next 32 years. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.